0: Welcome to the true safety podcast with Apollonia Rockwell where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture Team development and the future of the safety industry If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions head to true safety services.com slash podcast Let's get started
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome this morning to the True Safety Podcast. I have me, your host, Apollonia Rockwell, but most exciting is that we have Kim Williams here this morning, and I'm really, really excited to talk with you, Kim. We have somebody really special on the guest, and she is the vice president of the EHS Regulatory Security um, at Oventive, and this is based out of Alberta, Calgary. And holy smokes! Thank goodness for technology, or else I would never have the opportunity to meet with you, Kim. But first, how are you doing this morning?
2: Yeah, very good. It's a it's a little chillier here probably than where you are, but uh, it's, winter is almost over, and so we're really excited to see the first signs of spring here. So uh, oh. finally getting away from the dark days of winter here.
1: Oh my gosh, I feel the same way. We're out of Colorado, and it is. So we just got uh we just kind of wrapped up with a, a windstorm, a 3-4 day windstorm where it's ice cold, it's freezing, and I think to myself, I can't wait for the first like warm mornings and like just some some heat around here because it's freezing. It's absolutely. No, cold.
2: I, I agree. Totally. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Well, guys, I'm really excited to talk to Kim. Um, you've you've achieved a lot in your safety uh, career, and being a woman in this industry, I just have a lot of questions about that. But I just first want to start out about your story and how in the world did you get into safety? We've our team. I've stalked the crap out of your social media and uh, all the all the achievements, guys. She was recently named the honoree of the manufacturing institute's 2020 step ahead awards and that's pretty phenomenal and you know hearing and reading all this one thing that's missing is just how did you get into safety was it on purpose or was it an accident or what happened here
2: (laughs) that's a great question i think (laughs) it's really it's a it's yeah it's like a twisted tale right and i think everyone's got a bit of a twisted tale who's been around the industry a long time and I I really got into the oil and gas industry early, r- you know, right out of school, basically. And so I'm a chemical engineer by training. And so I went to the University of Saskatchewan in Saskatoon. Okay. Um, my hometown is in Saskatchewan and some from the north, from Prince Albert area. And, uh, you know, really interested in engineering, I would say, throughout high school and and decided to take a chemical engineering degree and got into industry shortly afterwards and so i worked for oil companies during the summer while i was going to university really wow. got exposed into the industry there uh, it's it's kind of funny my uncle is actually a lifer safety uh, safety guy from uh, uh so or imperial oil which is a pretty large company and wow. and so i kind of had his influence growing up a little bit around okay. what he did and and his involvement in the oil and gas industry and and uh, so I'd say it rubbed off a bit and, you know, good paying jobs, high quality jobs in the oil and gas industry. Um, Saskatchewan's a little bit of a poorer province, you know, not as much resource development, more agriculturally focused. And so a lot of us graduate and go west to Alberta, or British Columbia, looking for jobs. And, and that's, pretty similar to what I did and worked out in the patch in different areas as a student with different companies, but ended up with a little company called Pan-Canadian Petroleum okay. uh, for three summers in a row okay. uh, during university. And, and that is actually one of the predecessor companies of Oventiv, And so I ended up going getting on with them full time after I finished my degree. I started out in the little town of Brooks, Alberta, which is about 90 miles east of Calgary, Okay. And started off there working in an oil play uh, east of Calgary and really kind of worked my way through the company from there. So really I've been with the same company the whole time oh my uh, since gosh. then. And we switched, you know, you know, merger, acquisition, divestiture, company split. There's been a thousand things. We've changed names. And so, you know, people are like, oh, you work for lots of different companies. It's like, actually, it's the same company. And so it's, I think the, the really cool part about, working for this organization is that, and a lot of people don't know, Ovento's history is huge. It's like 125 years old or more now. Uh, And so it goes back to the days of the railroads. And so um, while they were pushing the railroad west across Canada, basically the railway had to drill for water wells all along the rail line to be able to supply the locomotives with water for the steam engines. And so out in the brooks area they were actually drilling for water and they ended up finding natural gas and i think it's a really cool safety story because they suddenly found natural gas instead of water it lit up the rig a guy jumped off the rig so he didn't perish in a fire broke his leg and that was our first safety incident as a company right and so back in that was 1825 and so you start to think back to you know the history of safety in our company goes back to the first guy leaping off the rig as it burned down around him basically
1: is the story so, that yeah that's like the historic uh story that you can always bring back to like a new higher orientation like this is this is a part of our so history cool. this is really
2: How far cool back it goes right and people really think that that's cool right and because it was the first natural gas well ever drilled in alberta and like i said they expected to find water and they found natural gas and i don't know if you've ever heard the city of medicine hat actually which is just east of there they have their own gas wells and they run the city off of their own natural gas because it was so prolific in the area uh, when they were drilling for water for the rail line and so it's a pretty it's a pretty cool history um I really worked in different positions around the company on the engineering side for a long time. Really started off in the field in operations and production engineering, kind of hands-on. My background as a chemical engineer really put me onto that like process engineering side of things. Mm-hmm. So looking at plants and how they work and equipment and design. Uh, really operationally focused production, you know, how to get production up and, Mm -hmm. and I did that for a long time. And then it kind of caught the business bug from there. I would say just an interest in how does the oil and gas industry make money? You know, how could, how how does this work and how could I be a part of it? And kind of switch more into the business side for a few years and learning about how, how the business makes money, how it works, how the costs work. And then really took that leap into leadership after that. And so it was, you know, my first management position was down in a team down in Southern Alberta um, in you know, at, at this company, we call that the manager level, and then was able to kind of move up into various leadership roles after that, um, worked up in our Northern operations up in Northeastern British Columbia, as well as Northern Alberta, and really just kind of moved my leadership to that senior we call it the senior manager level it's like a director level kind of at the company and then and then really from there when you talk about how would you get into safety i'd say it was always safety adjacent right? yeah like in, with that role with operations
1: mm-hmm.
2: and so it was like kind of a natural leap when the vice president of safety job ended up being vacant uh after we merged with newfield petroleum okay. or newfield exploration sorry and uh And I applied for it and actually got turned down, which is amazing. The story, Uh, you know, got told, yeah, you know, when we got someone else in mind, I don't think you're ready kind of thing. And ended up uh, the person who took the job ended up retiring a few, you know, very short time later, actually. And so I was, you know, got the call back and they said, Hey, are you still interested? Absolutely. So then they
1: they used, you were able to get into that role and I, Oh, my gosh. I have so many questions. This is really interesting. What's really cool is that, yes, the history that you've been with the company for that long of a period. Let me go ahead and plug this in super
2: quick. Oh, sure. No problem. I
1: thought I had a charged battery. Nope. But what's interesting is that having been with the same company... What's going through my mind is you being able to see the history of the company evolve as far as culture and through the buyouts and the acquisitions and holy smokes, the things that you've seen in the history that you hold to your heart. And you have a special place. This company has a special place in your heart because you've been invested and have been there from the beginning. So what did you see? I mean, once you so I'll step back once you did get into that safety role. And having been on the operation side of things, what did you I, I feel like you would have a greater appreciation for safety in the company and the guys and women out there. You understand their hearts because your heart is operations, so you know, the deadlines that these people run up against, you know, you you know, the big picture. So then now looking at it granularly through a safety lens what what was that like when you first took the safety role
2: yeah it's exactly like you know where your head is going it it's so much easier having this role after having been in operations because you do have that appreciation for you know, we call it, you know, at the pointy end of the stick, like they are at the pointy end of the stick, 24-7, 365. Yeah. You know, even if something as simple as getting up in the morning, getting in their company vehicle and driving to work is the most dangerous thing that they do during their day.
1: Yes. And, yep.
2: you know, we have all kinds of risk controls in all kinds of different ways. But understanding that and having done it myself,
1: Yes. you know,
2: I know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night and get that call and have to go out. And it's snowing or it's raining or it's terrible weather or a deer jumped out in front of me while my way in, you know, so really having that, I would say that having that operational background just gives me credibility when I walk on a job site or when I'm talking to folks in other operating areas, you know, about what their plans are on the safety side and what we can do to support them. Yes. I, I ha- I get that credibility with them because they know that I know what they're going through.
1: Yes. I, yeah. uh, you might be able to relate to this. I feel like early in my safety career, I saw a lot of safety professionals that, um, they maybe took an approach of more of a safety cop. And I just always felt like there was this huge breakdown for the most part between operations and safety, right? There's this butting heads, there's these two two opposing divisions. And I felt like the root of that was maybe the lack of appreciation or the lack of understanding what these men and women go through. So, I mean, having that foundation really, oh gosh, yeah, that was a, that was beautiful. You were set up to, to know and to relate, speak the language, but relate to these people. So did you feel like when you started into safety, that it was, you were more, people would take your advice better because there was that level of respect and that appreciation for you were they but did you also have challenges and how did you break through those challenges
2: yeah I think on the you know what was easier was definitely even just simple thing like I had the relationships already with the folks in operations and so they already knew me so it was so much easier than being an outsider coming in, trying to talk to them, you know, trying to build culture, trying to do these things that are really hard to do if you don't already have those relationships. And so, but, you know, there's parts of the company where I weren't as familiar with people and it's taking a little bit longer to build some of those relationships. But at the same time, I have that benefit of when they talk, I'm like, I can ask intelligent questions about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And then they, it, it comes around a lot faster, but I'd say that, the biggest challenge of coming into this role was that I'm not an expert. I'm not a certified safety professional. I'm not, I don't have a background in that. You know, I have little bits and pieces they picked up along the way working in operations. Um, And so I've had to rely on my director level, who the majority of which are certified safety professionals to really help me understand, you know, how does our management system work? How does that tie through to our day-to-day operations and how do our programs support that? And how do we do compliance assurance? How do we do all these? How does this work? What are the regulations, you know, through COVID, especially, you know, are, are we on side with OSHA? Are we off side? How, how does that work? How much say do they have? There were so many questions and yeah. and it was so great to be able to rely on those folks and, they had never had that before because the person who had always been in this chair had always been a safety professional their whole career. Okay. And okay. so they, they kind of, you know, they kind of, you can see it in them. They're kind of experiencing this freeing of like, oh gosh, I'm super needed. Like I need to tell her because she doesn't understand that we might be totally offside with a regulator here. And so we need to you know i need to be the one to bring that to her because she doesn't know yeah and so that was really that was really different
1: that isn't okay and then i could see how the support how people would be you know supportive because you had built these relationships with with different with several divisions of the company and people within it, the managers their operations and so what about um what about somebody what advice would you give to somebody that is maybe newer into the industry and let's say that they don't have a strong operations or a strong safety background and they're heading into safety what advice would you give knowing how hard it is to one, build the relationship, and then two, you understand just the safety challenge. I feel like there's like this unsaid safety challenge of like, how do, I, how do I implement these new programs that nobody wants to hear or talk about? Like, how do I get people excited about training and that nobody wants to be in? So like, what advice would you give? What has worked for you and what has not worked for you?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. So I think about, you know, folks who are new in the industry, and we bring in a lot of new grads, we try and keep that pipeline full from the bottom up. And, and the first thing I tell them is spend time in the field. Yeah, Just spend time, go with an operator, ask them to show you what they do. From the context of, I want to know what you do so that I can help support you. Yeah. So that when we get six months down the road and we're in a chronic or acute situation, an emergency, I know something about what you're talking about and I can figure out how to best support you. Mm. So the only way to do that is to spend the time and to gain their respect by showing that you're there to learn. You're there to understand their unique challenges and that you want to hear about it and, and that gen showing up in that genuine trying to learn way, you know, I always say like, who's going to look at that and say, yeah, I'm not going to teach you anything. I... Like, no one has the heart to stand next to someone who just wants to know about them and just shut them out. You know, it would have to take a very, very cold person to do that. And so it's something that we put on our new grads. We actually have like a formal rotational field program where they start out there for at least a couple of years and then they can slowly make their way into the office and start to, you know, build other relationships, but it's just a formal kind of make sure you get that grounding and understanding before you even, you know, I say the crawl before you can walk and run. Yeah. And, and I think that that that's really big. And, you know, when I've seen that fail has been when folks have tried to skip through those steps too quickly. Okay. Or they or they haven't tried or they've gone out without, you know, lacking the Mm self-awareness to realize that they don't know anything, you know, just Mm -hmm. being a little bit, having a little bit too much ego Mm -hmm. about, you know, I'm a, I'm a fully trained engineer. I'm about to get my, my P, you know, we call it a professional engineering status and I know everything like leave that at the door. You don't know everything. You don't know anything actually about what their life is like and that's where you have to start.
1: Oh my gosh. I love that advice. I feel like I don't, um, I feel like that's the one thing that did work for me is, is having a heart of curiosity and having, um, I, you know, I was just, I was just really curious and I still am like very curious. And I think leading with questions, like what? amazing advice that would be for somebody that, you know, whether they have no experience or just graduating or they're, you know, 5 10 years into it, is still young in their career. I think that that is that's just beautiful advice. And what's interesting is I also grew up in the oil and gas industry, and so the oil field, the drilling side, that side is like that's my background. That's and so, you know, when you're talking about I could just imagine going out on these job sites in the summertime and you're, when you're, when you're fresh and new in your career. And uh, what was that like as a girl? You know, I just, I just remember being uh, in the time, at the time if someone were to ask me, what's it like to be a girl, a woman in this industry, I'd be like, it's no different. Nothing, nothing. No, no difference here. I'm the same. I don't see it. I don't have any challenges. There's not, no, nope, you- hard. I'm the same. What? What about it? And then looking back, I was like, that was really a crazy time in my life. Like going out to the rig at 2 a.m. on Christmas. Right. It's a blizzard. We have an accident. I'm afraid for my life driving there, getting the freaking location. Like it was always, yes. it was always crazy, but I was too, I was too afraid I think at the time to admit that I was really struggling. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how did you, gosh, what was that feeling like yeah. when you would go out to these job sites? It,
2: it's wild, right? I, I probably had a very similar experience to you that at the time I wouldn't admit that, that it was pretty tough. Right. And
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. you did
2: things <laughs> that were normal to you, but if you stepped back, you would realize how not normal it was. And I, I give <sighs> one example and, and it, you know, I used to work up very far north uh, in areas where it's winter access only, camps, you know, people go in for 28 days at a time or more. Or they go in for a whole season and they come out in the spring. Yep. And I yep. had the run from northern Alberta to northeastern British Columbia, and it was joined in the winter by an ice road. And it was five and a half hours across on the ice road. And, oh, and you know... God. No big deal. I'm a production engineer for both sides. I got to make the trip probably once every couple of weeks. And I'd always go to the liquor store before I leave town and buy a, a case of beer and a bottle of wine. And because that was what I had to have to get into the camp, which was halfway between to use the bathroom. Like that was yep. how I bribed my way into the camp, just to use the washroom to, to seal, honestly, to, to, Give I, a believe action, right? I believe it, right? I believe it. Got Unfortunately, guys who've been cooped up for four months in camp, haven't seen a woman, haven't seen anything in four months, except watch satellite TV. Yep. And so you felt super awkward going in there and you felt watched and you were worried about your safety. And so I literally yeah. buy my way in, distract mm-hmm. everyone, take a quick pee and jump back in the track. Right. And oh, at the time it yes. was what you did, but now looking back, I realize how insane that actually was.
1: Yeah. I can full heartedly understand and relate to where you were coming from. Like, like you said, in the, in the time you're kind of in this survival mode to just fit in, to not yeah. be seen. I felt like I always tried to go unseen in a way, Yes, you know, I felt like I had to be, you know, just, like, unseen, like, ponytail, like, don't show my hair. Remember, there was, like, these months. I went through, like, this, this period of time for, like, a year where I, I, this is really embarrassing. I've actually never talked about this ever to anybody on the show or just to anybody, but I, it was almost a year where I went and I tried to, like, not let people know that I was a girl. Oh, sure. I mean, I just, I tried to put my hair in the tightest, highest ponytail, and all I wanted was to just not be seen. I just wanted to like go with the flow. Like I'm a safety person just out here doing a rig inspection or I'm out here auditing the contractors on a drilling location. And I just, I didn't want anyone to question me being new. I, I felt like you could relate to this. It was like being new and a girl, Yeah. like it was two things that, and, and then when I would explain my findings as a safety professional, or when I would need to get things done after the the audit I felt like it took more time for me to explain and to like get the buy-in yep. to get something done yeah and like in the moment I wouldn't I wouldn't admit that but I looking back I felt like gosh if I was a guy like I kept thinking that like if I was a guy I would just like here's the action items I like, get this done yeah and I there was just something in me that just you know, I felt like I had to explain myself. I had to tell people I had my bachelor's in occupational health and safety. I went to school. for da, 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 right? da. I've been in the field. I've like, I've worked out here. Like I had to I felt like I had to keep, keep explaining my like job history to people to get people to listen, where I don't know if guys feel like that. I'm, I'm not sure.
2: I agree. I think that's something that all women in the industry that I know have faced. And, and even I've heard men talk about it from the perspective of their wives or daughters, You know, and just just that having to prove yourself every time. So every time you went to a new site or every time you took on a new role or every time you applied for a job and sat through an interview, you felt like you were being asked to prove how you were possibly qualified for the role. And I don't think that same conversation was happening. Maybe if it had been one of my male counterparts and I've been treated extremely well by this company and I haven't had to hide who I am. I haven't had, you know, I haven't had to do some of those things, but at the same time, I do still see it rampant in our industry that women feel the need to have to explain why they're ready, why they're qualified. And then Mm. they wait until they're eminently qualified to go for something Whereas some of our male counterparts will go for it at the 50% ready level. And assume that they'll make it there, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, that, I just, that like resonates with my soul. I think I, I, I can't speak for everyone, but my gosh, that's, that's definitely my history. And I love you speaking to it and, you know, for all the listeners, uh, male, female, I like how you said, just even the guys kind of talk about that in relation with their wives and their children. And, and, you know, and maybe this is just this could, if nonetheless, just like spark a conversation with your family and, you know, encourage the girls in your life that whatever industry that they're in, you know, like, tell them you've got it. Like, you've got it. You don't have to prove yourself a million times, even though I still to this day struggle with that. Yeah. And that's really good advice. I think
2: it's wild. Like, uh, you know, and we talk about it in context of, you know, male, female, it can be any kind of diversity now, right? It's just how yeah. do you convince yeah. people to, to develop their teams so that you've got diverse thought, it doesn't matter how it comes through race, gender. It doesn't matter. But like mm-hmm. just making sure that if we're trying to make a really tough decision, ha- have we considered enough opinions? How do we have enough mm-hmm. ideas on the table? Like, how can we get more ideas on the table? It's like, well, certainly not by hiring a bunch of people who think the same way. We yeah. have to make sure we've yeah. got all, th- all things considered to make a really wholesome choice. and mm. And that's where, you know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of traction though. Well, I would say from my chair of people really starting to grasp that concept and and dig into it. So it's really exciting time in the industry.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. And it is that advice, does that carry through specifically in your roles as the safe, as a safety professional, you know, as the VP, I think that listening to that it, it, how I kind of see it play through in a company, what that actually looks like on on practical terms, is it. Let's say you are a VP of a safety company. Let's just say you're a one man show, and you're you are the safety department for a company, 200 right. employees, 100 employees, whatever. What I hear you saying is that the more diverse opinions, the more people that you can include into a big decision, no matter what that is, whether it's on the safety side, the operation side, you're going to have a better outcome and you're going to have better buy-in probably, right? When you're including people. And I think that that's, that's a huge challenge just on the safety side. You're trying to roll out a program, you're trying to roll out a new training, whatever it is. If you include more thoughts, more diverse opinions, then you're going to be in a better space versus you just taking on and spearheading something all by yourself.
2: All alone. I would say like one of the things that we've been really successful with at this company has been, and I know everyone like shudders at the words, but task force, right? Like just get a bunch of people together who hopefully are not subject matter experts. And I think about this in terms of safety you know if you're going to do an audit or you're going to do a, a process safety assessment or a field inspection or just a simple site visit just to see what you see take some people who don't know what they're looking at with you mm-hmm. so that they can give you that like hey like I see this and is that right like that looks horribly unsafe to me can you explain to me what that is so maybe maybe it's cool but maybe it's not and That's been some of our biggest successes, taking people from different areas. Like if a company has a little bit different operations, just kind of having people do little trips and go look in on other areas and talk to people and just get those fresh eyes out there and those new ideas, because we all walk past the same thing every day and we don't even see some things anymore. Right. And so that's been that, you know, getting that diversity of thought is sometimes just about getting some eyes on things that don't normally look at them too.
1: Oh my goodness. That is some of the best advice given on the show. And uh, you know, it's something so simple yet so practical. And it's funny because as safety professionals, we preach that all the time, right? But it's to operations. Hey, let's have safety go out there because you're in operations. You've been doing the same thing, same way for the last five, 10, 20, 30 years. So let safety bring a new perspective. But I like the way you said that you said it in a way where it's like, Hey, as the, safety professionals let's bring in fresh eyes to to ramp up and to help us look at something different because you're right we have also been looking at our same safety program the same for the last however many years so i mean that's the that is the hit of the show i think like that is the i love it when there's practical advice that you could take home today Mm -hmm. and that's what it is is right now you know, plan something out where you can get some opinions some fresh eyes that have never been in the safety industry before, or take somebody in a different division to help maybe go through a safety walkthrough, whether you work um, in the oil and gas industry, construction, uh, a manufacturing shop, but have somebody give you as the safety professional, a fresh new perspective too. Love
2: it. You know, we're working through a We're working through a gargantuan project here of refreshing our management system. And our company's history is that we were a really, really big company for a long time. And then we got really small And our management system. I mean, if you put it in one binder, it probably wouldn't fit in this room and how many pages it is. And and we keep saying, okay, we've got to pull that thing down and we have got to get it to a manageable place. And one of the first things we did is, yeah, strike some of those cross-functional committees of people from operations, of people from accounting, of people from different backgrounds to come in and say, is this usable? Like if we ended up with 12 pages instead of 300, are those 12, (laughs) if you read that, does it make sense to you what we're doing here? And, and, And do you know what your responsibilities are after reading that or is it still unclear? And yeah, that's yeah. where it's like, how can we get things more fit for purpose over time in, in our industry and not have that, like, I think you've been kind of hinting at that, like, you know, the safety people are here to bring the documents and the books and the forms for us to fill out, you know, just trying to get to be a partner with the business, fully yeah. integrated, so that we're not the safety team, we're part of operations. And Oh, I love
1: partners. that. Yeah. That it's, that's a hot topic right now. I'll tell you people interviewing safety professionals from around the world on the show. It exactly what you just said, merging safety and uh, as a part of operations period. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it goes into my bigger philosophy that there is. No safety culture. I have this theory that there's no safety ah, culture. There's just a culture at a company, yes. and they either believe in safety or they don't. Or, sure. I agree. you know, yeah, there's sure. not an operations culture or an accounting culture. Or the girl, da, 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 da. the company has a culture. What is it?
2: Yeah, so That's something like we've worked really hard here, and I've been a part of it from the ground up is getting to that place where. Safety is not responsible for safety. Our operating yeah. areas are responsible for safety, and we are here to support, guide, you know, do whatever we need to do to help. But we're not here to dictate, right? How it should go. We need operations to tell us what works for them and yeah. pull on us for support and pull on us for anything you need. But it's it, and that has honestly been the transition, and I'm really proud to talk about it because I've been here the long a long time, but our triff, like our total recorded injury frequency of this company has gone from over 3.0 back in 2008 or 9 to this last year we pegged at 0.15. Oh, my and, gosh. And oh my so gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. And that's, you know, that was that was our seventh safest year ever. So for okay. 7 years we've been bringing that number down consecutively and we're aiming for, a, you know, less than that this year. And how do you do that that's not just about safety telling people to be safe that's about building like you said that corporate culture mentality of everyone is responsible for safety i don't care if you're an accountant a geologist an engineer uh, you know any any person in this company a lawyer everyone has a responsibility to safety and it all starts with attitude it all starts with how do you talk about it what are your expectations do your people understand that it's important to you. Yeah. Have you even addressed it? And I think that's where we've really been successful. We've we've had kind of a, a training course that we've used for years called Safety Essentials for Leaders. And it really pitches that ownership, making yourself clear on expectations, following through in the field, you know, really giving credit when it's due and giving coaching when it's due as well and working to build everyone's competency up and and i think that's where we've been successful and like you said over time with mergers and acquisitions you've had the program people you're bringing into the organization into that methodology and that's not easy but but it it uh, i think that's part of our success
1: oh my gosh kim you you and your company have had major success and I just want to congratulate you because we've we have all seen and we could all understand how difficult it could be especially during uh, mergers and acquisitions we can all appreciate how difficult it could be for a company to keep a strong culture as an organization we could see how that could fall apart during an acquisition during growth period you know business is just tough period and so the fact that you guys have managed to um, decrease your total recordable incidents over these last seven years the fact that you're still um you know thinking big picture how do we how do we really implement ownership across the board that safety isn't just the responsibility for the safety department it is all of us it is every single one of us that's working towards this main goal you are carrying out that vision you're carrying there's there's a lot to congratulate you for. And I am so honored that I had the time to talk with you today. And I think you've given the audience such practical advice and you've really painted a picture for people that are striving to go to the next level with their company and they're striving for greatness. You just, you gave a great picture on how to take some steps towards that. It's ownership. It's not one's department. It's gathering diverse thoughts into whatever you're trying to implement whatever your vision is, um, to get an all-inclusive buy-in. I mean, you've given a lot of great pointers here. I have completely gone over my time with you and I want to respect your time. I'm so sorry. I could just talk to you all day. So, um, I, I've, I've gone over my limit with you. So I want to respect your time that you've given me. So any final thoughts, Kim, anything else? I'll, uh, I'll let everyone know audience you can um, access Kim we're going to link all of your um, connection points to if anybody has any questions for you if there's any follow-up thoughts um, you know feel free to reach out to her directly you're such an inspiration um, to young professionals to any professional Um, you've given such great advice today so any final thoughts Kim I just wanted to thank you
2: no, and, I, and I'll put that right back to you. Thank you. I mean, it's so great to get a chance to come and talk to different people and learn somebody's story as well and hear about their perspective. And I, I really appreciate it. And and uh, I hope that, you know, we can stay in touch.
1: Awesome. Yep, I hope we can stay in touch. I do, we, we've connected, we're connected on LinkedIn. So we will for sure um, stay there. So thank you everyone for listening, guys. Kim Williams here. And thank you so much for listening. Tune in next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the true safety podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you head to truesafetyservicescom slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team, where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program. And we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow again. That is is slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode.